Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. You're on Saturday Magazine with Nevena and Fiona. Nevena, who's our next guest? We're now going to be speaking with Dr. Natasha Ginnivan, who is a research fellow at UNSW's Aging Futures Institute. And she's working and challenging us to rethink what aging is and how we do it well. Dr. Natasha, welcome. Hi, good to be here. Thanks for your time today, Tash. Pleasure. Um, so uh, now, currently, uh, I think there is 16% of the Australian population is aged 65 and over, and by 2050, it's estimated this will be 25%. Do we need to be rethinking how we age? Yes, I think there's no time like the present to rethink or you know reframe how we think about aging, and um, it's important to recognise that um, age and how we view aging is also a multi um, sort of multi-dimensional proposition. So there's different aspects like our biological aging, you know, our age identity, our own self-perceptions of aging, and then there's the overarching kind of societal and cultural narratives um, about aging. That's really interesting. And we were just speaking with the Minister for Equality, Harriet Shing, who was talking about a new announcement that is going to be looking at how LGBTIQ plus people age. And we know that for many older LGBTIQ plus people, ageing can be really difficult. It can mean discrimination from younger people in our communities at times. It can mean a sense of disconnection uh, from your community and queer lifestyles. What can we do to challenge this way of thinking and really embrace the older people in our community. Yeah, that's really important to um, understand. A lot of people use the term sort of intersectionality, but just, you know, discrimination in in any form really has been shown to be like adverse, give adverse sort of health effects. And for a number of reasons, there's stress, you know, being like socially isolated or alienated in some way, you know, form or form, but also, um, you know, intergenerational kind of connection and community are so important um, at at any age and, you know, any section of the community. So there needs to be, I think, you know, an intentional sort of way of, you know, bringing together, um, you know, different generations. Um, And I, I sort of have a colleague in, um, who works with with, with Acon, um, Russ Glius, um, and he I've heard him speak, you know, recently about his Love Project, um, which stands for it's an acronym for Living Older, Visibly, and Engaged. And I think you know there's more awareness now, and, and more sort of like um, community sort of funding needs to go towards these, you know, bringing together community because I think it's not just for obviously the benefit of the older. Um, population but also younger people benefit from being kind of mentored and having a social connection with people. Well uh, I was noticing that research suggests that having even a positive aging expectations can add an average of 7.5 years to your life. I mean that's an extraordinary statistic. I mean why is that? 
That's a really good question. And I think um, there's no one single answer for that. But I know that um, our age expectations and our mindset are very important, um, play a very important role in our own health and our longevity. Um, and there's actually a, a really great book called The Expectation Effect by um, David Robson. And he sort of also refers to that particular study. The study itself, I think, was based on, uh, I think it was an American population study. So it was a huge sample. And But I think also, you know, we have to look at like, you know, what, what the class structure was, the sort of middle class people living in America. Um, but, but it does speak to those people at sort of the age of 50 when they measured their sort of attitudes to ageing and then tr- followed them across a 25-year um, uh, path into their late sort of, sort of 70s, mid to late 70s, they recognised that those who at the baseline at the beginning said that they had more positive attitudes towards their own ageing actually lived longer and enjoyed better functional health into their later years. So there's something about the power of the mind. And, you know, we're all social creatures who sort of um, like to meet expectations. And I think that speaks to if we you know, set our own expectations and have the mindset, then that goes a long way to to improving, you know, sort of aspects of our own health as we age. And that's really interesting and it ties into this other rather incredible stat. So if 25% of the population is meant to be in, you know, in retirement by 2050, what will this mean for work and how we conceptualise that for people aged over 65? It's a really important um, area um, because obviously we all living longer, we'd like to be able to work longer as well. Um, but interestingly, I think, you know, our attitudes to sort of older workers is actually going backwards. Um, there's a report by the Australian Human Rights Commission um, last year that they released um, called What's Age Got to Do With It? And they sort of surveyed over 2,000 people, but also did focus groups with younger, middle-aged and older people. And whereas like about a decade ago, people thought that older worker was someone sort of 50 and over, um, younger people today is sort of thinking like 40, 45 is older in the, in the workforce. And so it's, it's, it's a huge, like, um, I, I would say like quote unquote, irrelevance gap that we've created somehow in our culture that, um, you know, we're living longer, but we're thinking like people who are 40 and 50 are already older, but we'd, we'd all like to have meaningful work, you know, beyond retirement age. And the sort of traditional retirement age now is becoming a little bit redundant. Um, a lot of people in their 60s, some people want to retire, but many want to keep working, not just for the, you know, economic sort of independence, but because they like they enjoy it, they, you know, like to be part of a community, they, their skills are still relevant. Um, and in fact, I think there was another study actually that showed that um, cognitively, actually, people who um, retired versus those who sort of kept going at around that retirement age sort of did better on, you know, memory tests. If you, just sort of, if you kept, you know, working or engaged in something that you love or you're interested in. Well, certainly, I mean, I think that uh, I have I mean retirement is uh, something that if if it's planned well can certainly bring about um, a, a really incredible lifestyle uh, life opportunity to engage yeah. because you you know if you can plan it out and, and of course that does come along with if you are fortunate enough to be able to fund your retirement I mean I'm sure I will be working way beyond <laughs> retirement age for practical reasons but also because you know I really enjoy 
enjoy working. I really enjoy being involved and connected. And I do think that if people were able and given the opportunity, if they are in, in employment, that they they could continue to work. I mean, certainly we have noticed there's been the, re, the return of the great, now what are they calling it, the great unretirement, where, <laughs> where uh, people are being called back into the workforce to fill worker work shortage. I mean, is, do you think there might be any, do you think that that's just a short-term uh, improvement or do you think there might be some potential uh, positive outcomes from, from that recent need to get people back into work? I mean, certainly I think there can be some long-term gains from that. You know, they'll be able to hopefully um, bust some age stereotypes that older workers, you know, can't be retrained and all these sort of like stereotypes that you can't teach an old dog new tricks and things like that. I think people who, particularly people who have had sort of an expertise across their career they don't just sort of lose it you know overnight um and so i think and and we know that we actually know from research that like you know we over um state sort of the things that come with aging i mean things you know decline can come with aging it does eventually but i think the age stereotypes hold us back from um you know sort of unretiring if we want to or doing other things um you know, later in life and uh, with the longevity that we sort of have now and we're living sort of longer, I think we need to rethink how we conceptualise, you know, older workers and, and bust a few myths about what we think they can and can't do. Speaking of myth busting, could you expand a little bit on those negative stereotypes and how we might go about dispelling these dated ways of thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think what's really important is that we tend to, I think, culturally think about being old as like a binary thing where we're sort of young or we're old and then we tend to be, you know, we, we give all the sort of like great attributes to, to youth and, and the not so great attributes to, to being older um, when really I think we need to reframe aging and understand it as a process and a life course process of ups and downs and challenges and Sure, there might be um, some cognitive decline in our later years, um, and obviously, you know, it's sometimes overstated in these age stereotypes. But we we take we take for granted some of the other really important positive things that people report when they get older. They report becoming more um, self confident, um, you know, more less inhibited about you know sort of little things they used to worry about when they were younger. Um, and in fact, I think mm. some study shows that older people, particularly women in their seventies, are the happiest sort of cohort of people. <laughs> I know I have heard that statistic, and I'm kind of excited about yeah. that. <laughs> I can't wait, uh, yeah. Natasha. We really, really appreciate you uh, talking to us about this. I think it's a really important thing to think about uh, for us at any time of the year, but right now is a good a good time as another year gets closer to ticking over. Thank you. We have run out of time. I hope you have a wonderful uh, holiday and festive season, whatever you get up to. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're on Saturday Magazine. We'll be right back with a little bit more. Saturday Magazine, every Saturday from 10 until noon on Joy 94.9. Are you looking for ways to help in your diverse LGBTI community? Rainbow Volunteering is a public LGBTI hub of volunteers all about helping our community organisations fulfil their visions and needs. 
Join Rainbow Volunteering to pay it forward by giving your skills and time to help build a stronger Rainbow community, all with like-minded and passionate organisations and volunteers. To grow our community together and connect with Rainbow Volunteering, head to facebook.com forward slash Rainbow Volunteering. Joy is proud to support this community message. There's something thrilling and empowering about becoming a radio presenter, believe me. So why not join up for Joy's next, why not sign up for Joy's next radio training course and get yourself the skills and knowledge needed to bring your personality to the airwaves. This is Paul from Joy Weekend Brecky. I was a member of the Joy Academy and came through this course and shows you exactly what you can do if you're dedicated. The next face-to-face course with Joy's most talented broadcasters begins on Saturday, February the 4th, and it's running for nine weeks. To enrol or find out more, just head to joy.org.au services. This is a Joy community service message. In every country, masculinity here is, is a highly valued prize. In every corner of the world, I'm fighting for rights of LGBT people in Nigeria. Breaking news and current issues. The LGBT community has definitely pulled together here in Orlando. Mixed with stories of everyday people. I'm a gay imam. All with one thing in common. They're part of the world's diverse LGBTIQ community. Speaking from Ukraine. Mongolia. In Malaysia. Speaking from France. In South Africa. Uruguay. Speaking from Jordan. Slovakia. From South Korea. Every week we bring you stories of the rainbow community across the globe. Worldwide Wave. Tuesday nights at 6 on Joy 94.9. Joy.org.au. Not just a radio station. You're on Saturday Magazine with Nevena and Fiona. We've got some wonderful messages coming through. So thank you to everyone who's texted and emailed. Absolutely. Uh, Mel Smith, thank you. Yes, we agree. Harriet is amazing. Uh, And then from our lovely regular guest, 317. Uh, we um, who points out that in the art sector we have the marvellous Tony Elwood as the director of NGV who helped produce the incredible queer exhibition this year and is also a gay man himself. We have uh, some great role models. Yes, 317, we do. Uh, we have two queer ministers from uh, 099, but ha- uh, Nevena, you say three. Three. We have three new queer ministers. So we have Rachel Payne, who was on the show last week. She's from the Legalised Cannabis Party. Gabrielle de Vitry from the Greens in the Lower House. And we also have another Greens member in the Upper House, Aviv. So fabulous to add to our collection. Oh, well, we will have Aviv on the show, I think, Jan 21. Oh, wonderful. And we have... Gabrielle on the show, Jan 14. I am lining them up. We are going to be hearing from everybody because we want to hear much more. So I think now it's time for the news. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.